Welcome to Zikhu Dafsi Man Rebbe Abraham Goldhar, and today we're Masechet Zadarim, Dav Tzadiyaf, the 11th period, Be'el Nidarim, and the final Dav of the Masechet. So the three Dabs we're going to focus on, number one, on the previous Dav, Rapapa said, the Rava tested him with an inquiry. Eishat's Kohen Shenansa, a wife of a Kohen who was violated, and thereby forbidden to him, Yeshua Ksuba, Eno Ksuba, does she receive a Ksuba or not? Do we say that since her being violated is equal to Yisrael's wife committing adultery willingly in that they both become forbidden to their husbands so she would lose her ksuba like Yisrael's wife who is willingly unfaithful? Or can she say that as far as she's concerned she would be permitted to him since she was violated and it's only his special status as a Kohen which forbids her to him so it should be viewed as his bad fortune and no fault of hers? They resolved the query from Mishnah which taught that a woman who said that she was defiled must be divorced and receives her ksuba. Original, now what is this case? If she said she willingly defiled herself, then she forfeits the ksuba, so she must have said she was violated. Therefore, the Mishnah must be about a Kohen's wife, since only she becomes forbidden through violation requiring divorce. Yet the Mishnah says she collects the ksuba. Point number two, the Gemara inquires, Gerashtani Mahu, if she says to her husband, you have divorced me, what is the halacha? Is she believed to marry someone else? Rav Nuna suggested a resolution for our mission which taught that a woman who claimed to have been defiled is not believed according to the mission's later ruling. Now that's only because she realizes that the husband does not know the truth, so she's not afraid to lie to him, but to claim that he divorced her, which she knows about, she should be believed. Because there is a presumption that a woman would not be so brazen-faced to her husband to claim what he knows to be untrue. Rav sought to prove the opposite. Although in the Mishnah's initial ruling, she is believed to say she was defiled. There it is because she would not want to disgrace herself to say she was defiled unless it were true. But it's possible that a woman would falsely claim divorce to escape her husband. And point number three, the Gemara records two incidents in which a woman indicated that she had relations with her husband the previous night, which the husband denied, prompting a concern that she mistakenly had relations with someone else. Nachman said in both cases that we assume she is interested in another man and her statement is disregarded. In a third incident, a man was secluded with someone's wife and when the husband returned, the man broke through a weak wall and fled. Rava said that we are confident no sin was committed and he need not divorce her even as a stringency because the adulterer would have hidden. In a fourth incident, an adulterer entered a home and when the husband returned, he hid behind a curtain. When the husband was about to eat food tasted by a snake, the apparent adulterer called out to warn him. Rava said we are confident no sin was committed because he would have allowed the husband to die. The more explains the novelty is that one might have thought the adulterer prefers that the husband remains alive as it says, Stolen waters are sweet and bread of secrecy is pleasant. So once again, the three points are number one. The previous stuff, Rapapa said, the Rava tested him with an inquiry. Eishas Kohen Shinansa, a wife of a Kohen who was violated and thereby forbidden to him. Yeshua Ksuba or does she receive a Ksuba or not? Do we say that since her being violated is equal to Yisrael's wife committing adultery willingly in that they both become forbidden to their husbands so she would lose her Ksuba like Yisrael's wife who is willingly unfaithful? Or can she say that as far as she's concerned she would be permitted to him since she was violated and it's only his special status as a Kohen which forbids her to him so it should be viewed as his bad fortune and no fault of hers? They resolved the query from Mishnah which taught that a woman who said she was defiled must be divorced and receives her Ksuba. Original, now what is this case? If she said she willingly defiled herself, then she forfeits the ksuba, so she must have said she was violated. Therefore, the Mishnah must be about a Kohen's wife, since only she becomes forbidden through violation requiring divorce. Yet the Mishnah says she collects the ksuba. Point number two, the Gemara inquires, If she says to her husband, you have divorced me, what is the halacha? Is she believed to marry someone else? 
Rav Havnuna suggested a resolution for our mission which taught that a woman who claimed to have been defiled is not believed according to the mission's later ruling. Now that's only because she realizes that the husband does not know the truth, so she's not afraid to lie to him, but to claim that he divorced her, which he knows about, she should be believed. Because there is a presumption that a woman would not be so brazen-faced to her husband to claim what he knows to be untrue. Rava sought to prove the opposite. Although in the Mishnah's initial ruling, she is believed to say she was defiled. There it is because she would not want to disgrace herself to say she was defiled unless it were true. But it's possible that a woman would falsely claim divorce to escape her husband. And point number three, the Gemara records two incidents in which a woman indicated that she had relations with her husband the previous night, which the husband denied, prompting a concern that she mistakenly had relations with someone else. Nachman said in both cases that we assume she is interested in another man, and her statement is disregarded. In a third incident, a man was secluded with someone's wife, and when the husband returned, the man broke through a weak wall and fled. Rava said that we are confident no sin was committed, and he need not divorce her even as a stringency, because the adulterer would have hidden. In a fourth incident, an adulterer entered a home, and when the husband returned, he hid behind a curtain. When the husband was about to eat food tasted by a snake, the apparent adulterer called out to warn him. Rava said we are confident no sin was committed because he would have allowed the husband to die. The more explains the novelty is that one might have thought the adulterer prefers that the husband remains alive, as it says, Stolen waters are sweet and bread of secrecy is pleasant. All right, so now we go to our Simidav study off, and our standard simon is an exit sign. An exit sign. So here goes. The Cohen's wife, who was violated and was standing under the exit sign with her ksuba, who overheard her friend say to her husband, you have divorced me, almost got knocked down by a man who broke through a weak wall and fled. Once again, slow motion. The Cohen's wife, who was violated and was standing under the exit sign, exit sign, that must be run off, tzadi of, tzay. The Cohen's wife, who was violated and was standing under the exit sign with her ksuba, which reminds us, on the previous duff, we had the question whether a wife of a Cohen who was violated and thereby forbidden to him collects her ksuba or not. Do we say that since her being violated is equal to a Yisrael's wife committing adultery willingly, in that they both become forbidden to their husbands, so she would lose her ksuba like a Yisrael's wife who is willingly unfaithful? Or can she say that as far as she's concerned, she would be permitted to him since she was violated, and it's only his special status as a Kohen which forbids her to him, so it should be viewed as his bad fortune and no fault of hers. There was all the query from her mission which indicates that she does collect her ksuba. So the Cohen's wife who was violated was standing under the exit sign with her ksuba, who overheard her friend say to her husband, you have divorced me, which reminds us. The Gemara asks, if a woman says to her husband, you have divorced me, what is the halakha? Is she believed to marry someone else? Rav Nuna suggested a resolution from a mission which taught that a woman who claimed to have been defiled is not believed according to the Mishnah's later ruling. That's only because she realized that the husband doesn't know the truth, so she's not afraid to lie to him, but to claim that he divorced her, which he knows about, she should be believed. Because there's an assumption that a woman would not be so brazen-faced to her husband to claim what he knows to be untrue. Rava sought to prove the opposite. So, the Cohen's wife who was violated and was standing under the exit sign with her ksuba, who overheard her friend say to her husband, you have divorced me, almost got knocked down by a man who broke through a weak wall and fled. Which reminds us, Gmore brings an incident of a man who was secluded with someone's wife, and when the husband returned, the man broke through a weak wall and fled. Rava said that we are confident no sin was committed, and he need not divorce her even as a humra, because the adulterer would have hidden. So once again, the Cohen's wife, who was violated and was standing under the exit sign with her ksuba, who overheard her friend say to her husband, You have divorced me, 
almost got knocked down by a man who broke through a weak wall and fled. Hadunolach Maseches Nadarim. All right, Mazel Tov, everyone. I'm being Messiah Maseches Nadarim, the sixteenth Masech in this Dafiyomi Machzor. A grand total of ninety brought, two hundred and seventy points now organized in our mind for efficient review and long-term retention using some money. May Kush Baruch continue to bench us with Hatzlacha in our learning and Chazara, and may we continue to go Mechal Chaos as we begin the next Masechta, Masechta's Nazareth, and be Zohar to make a Kenyan on all of Shas together with Simanim. All right, so now it's time for a four-blah-bah Chazara. Daf Pezayin. So the Zimmer Daf Pezayin is a golden Pez candy dispenser. So here goes. The husband who did a far for the wrong person mistakenly did Kree on the wrong person as well using a golden Pez candy dispenser. Golden Pez candy dispenser? That must be wrong, Duff. Pay Zion. Golden Pez candy dispenser. The husband who did a far for the wrong person mistakenly did Kree on the wrong person as well using a golden Pez candy dispenser, which reminds us our mission which taught that a far for the wrong person is invalid holds that the Pusiks using the term Yani Osa, he who shall restrain her, is meant specifically that he must know her identity. This seems to contradict a Bryce which teaches that if one is told that his father died and he tore Kriya, and then discovered that it was actually his son who died, the Kriya is valid, despite there being similarly specific terms in the Pusik describing David's Kriya over Shaul and Yonasan. The Gemara answers that the Bryce of Kriya should be interpreted that he was not told which of his relatives had died. He assumed it was his father, but wasn't certain. Such an unspecific Kriya can be valid for the true deceased relative. Our mission speaking where he was clearly told the wrong identity of the vower, and as far was made accordingly for the wrong person. So the husband who did Hafar for the wrong person mistakenly did Kriya on the wrong person as well, using a golden Pez candy dispenser, but was informed, Toch Dibur, that in fact it was his wife, which reminds the more brings up ruling that all statements can be retracted within Toch Dibur with four exceptions. Blasphemy, idol worship, both of which incur the death penalty even if he immediately retracts his blasphemous or idolatrous declaration, and marriage and divorce, which are effective even if he retracts immediately after performing them. The run explains that the seriousness of these activities dictates that a person would not do them without a complete and unconditional intent. So the husband who did a far for the wrong person mistakenly decree on the wrong person as well using a golden Pez candy dispenser but was informed that in fact it was his wife, whose nether he tried to partially revoke, which prohibited her to both fig and grape, Pez candies. Which reminds us, the more brings a three-way machok as whether a partial akama confirms the entire nether, and if a partial afara revokes the entire nether. Daf Peches, so the similar Daf Peches is a garbage can, or trash bin. So here goes. The terrified blind man who tripped over a garbage can, garbage can, that must be learned Daf Peches, pach, garbage can, or trash bin. The terrified blind man who tripped over a garbage can in a forest and accidentally killed the garbage collector with his cane, which reminds us, the more contrast the Machok is about partial knowledge regarding Hafara with the Machok is about a blind person's inadvertent killing when going into a forest. So, the terrified blind man who tripped over a garbage can in a forest and accidentally killed the garbage collector with his cane because he was being chased by his son-in-law who was upset that he gave his daughter a gift on the condition that her husband, who was Hasur Tum, have no rights in it, which reminds us, the Gemara discusses what a father must do in order to give property to his daughter such that her husband, who he was Mudarha not from, will not acquire it. So, the terrified blind man who tripped over a garbage can in a forest and accidentally killed the garbage collector with his cane because he was being chased by his son-in-law who was upset that he gave his daughter a gift on the condition that her husband, who was Hasur Tum, have no rights in it ran to hide in his daughter's courtyard, which she owned independent of her husband, which required her to acquire a portion of the wine for 
Shetufi Mavos, which reminds us, the Gemara discusses a case where a wife herself owns a courtyard independent of her husband. Since she must acquire a portion of the wine for the Shetufi Mavos for herself to be effective, she can also acquire it on behalf of the other residents. Daf Pei Tess, so the symbol of Daf Pei Tess, is a chong pot. So here goes. The wife who burnt the chong in the pot, chong in a pot, that must be on Daf Pei Tess, chong pot. The wife who burnt the chong in the pot who declared that she'll be a Nazira after divorce, which reminds us that it was taught to Bryce that if an Almana or Grusha say that I'm here by a Nazira when I marry and she gets married, where Shmuel says the husband can be Mayfer, and Rekiva says he cannot in the reverse case, where a married woman declares she'll be a Nazira after divorce and she gets divorced, where Shmuel does not allow Hafar and Rekiva does. Where Shmuel holds the ability of Hafar depends on the time the netter takes effect, whereas Rekiva holds it's determined by her status at the time the netter is declared. So the wife who burnt the chant in the pot who declared that she'll be a Nazira after divorce served it to nine Na'aros whose Nadarim stand, which reminds us the next mission states, Tation Na'aros Nidren Kayamin, there are nine Na'aros whose Nadarim stand, meaning they cannot be revoked. They are essentially permutations of three types of cases, where she's a Soma Bachayavya, an orphan in her father's lifetime, meaning she left her father's domain through a previous marriage of Nisuin, or she's an actual orphan, or she's a Bulgaris. So, the wife who burnt the chant in the pot, who declared that she'll be a Nazira after divorce, served it to nine Na'aros, whose Nadarim stand, and told her upset husband, Conan, that I will not benefit from my father or your father if I do anything for you. Which reminds us, the next mission teaches, if a wife says, Conan, that I will not benefit from my father or your father. If I do anything for you, the husband can revoke it. The run explains that since both the nether and the conditioner are either inui nefesh or matters between him and her, he can be made for it, although it has not yet come into effect, since the condition has not been fulfilled. Davtsadi, so the symbol of Davtsadi is a tzedakah box. So here goes. The tzedakah collector, tzedakah collector, that must be one of Tzadi, tzedakah box. The tzedakah collector took a vow to win halacha before getting married, which reminds us of the incident of a man who vowed not to benefit from anyone if he would marry before winning halacha, referring to Shas Mishnayis, and how Rav Achabar Rav Huna tricked him to think that marrying would not trigger the netter, and he married, which forbade him from benefiting from anyone. Rav Achabar then smeared him with dirt to show him his immediate need for other people to launder his clothes and brought him to Rav Chista to annul his netter. So the tzedakah collector took a vow to earn halacha before getting married and went around with his tzedakah box collecting for three women whom he initially believed were divorced, which reminds us, the next mission states, three statements of women were originally believed for them to be divorced and collect their ksuba. Omeris Tamei Anilocha, one who says, I'm defiled to you, which means she had relations with another man and is thereby forbidden to her husband. Shemaim Beinigo Venicho, or heaven is between me and you, which means he's impotent and cannot have children, which no one else knows, but heaven. In the Tula Animin Yehudim, or I'm removed from Jews, which means she made a net of forbidding herself in relations with all Jews, which indicates that relations are very painful for her. Later, the Rabbanan grew concerned that a woman may set her eyes on another man and make these claims to free herself to marry him, so they revised what must be done. So, the tzedakah collector took a vow to win halacha before getting married and went around with a tzedakah box collecting for three women, whom he initially believed were divorced, was shocked when he saw the wife who said she had relations with another man still married to her cohen husband and eating truma, which reminds us, the more inquires if a woman claims she had relations with another man, but is not believed to forbid herself to her husband as per the rabbi's enactment, can she continue to eat truma if she's married to a Cohen? 
By her own admission, she's forbidden to eat truma, and there would seem no reason not to believe her. Rav Shesha said, She may eat truma so as not to cast aspersions on her children's lineage. If she'll be forbidden in truma, people will believe her claim of being defiled and consider the children born afterwards to be chalalim. Rav disagreed because she can eat chulin, and people will simply assume she has no available truma. All right, so now it's time to conclude their pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one, which stuff do we have a question? If a wife says to her husband, you have divorced me, is she believed to marry someone else? That's on Duff. Study off. Good number two, which stuff do we have three statements of women which were originally believed for them to get divorced and collect their ksuba? That's on Duff. Study. Good number three, which stuff do we have a question? So far it depends on the domain of the time of Nedra or it's taking effect such as a wife saying she'll be a Nazira after divorce. That's on Duff. Pay test. Good number four. Which stuff do you have an incident where a man was secluded with someone's wife and when the husband returned, the man broke through a weak wall and fled? That's on Duff. Tzadiyav. Good number five. Which stuff do you have nine cases where a girl's nether cannot be revoked? That's on Duff. Pay test. Good number six. Which stuff do you have a question whether a wife of a cone who is violated and thereby forbidden to him collects her ksuba or not? That's on Duff. Study off. Good number seven. Which stuff do you learn that a wife who owns a courtyard independent of her husband must acquire a portion of the wine for she two female votes for herself and can also acquire it on behalf of other residents? That's on Duff. Pechas. Good number eight. Which stuff do the more seek to resolve the difference between the din when one does a fara for the wrong person and one does kriya on the wrong person? That's on Duff. Pay Zion. Good number nine. Which stuff do we have the incident of a man who vowed not to benefit from anyone if he would marry before learning halacha? That's on Duff. Tzadi. Good. And number ten. Which stuff do we have that when one forbids al kohanim and lavim, he has forfeited his tovas hana since he renders the trumas and maestras like mere dust? That's on Duff. Hey, hey, excellent. That concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ramgolm Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.